the, the whole concept of overnight success or virality or make one thing and be done with it. That's just not really the currency in which video is dealt um, because it's so pervasive. So I think getting folks to understand you need to commit, you need to have a strategy. Experimentation is part of that strategy, but it is going to be a longer game um, and it's not going to be for everybody, even though everybody has the ability to do it. This is a fascinating week on Video Production Daily. We are exploring the financial impact of video, why people pay us to do what we do, the many jobs and opportunities that there are within video. Meekam Dang is with us. Meekam has certainly carved out not just an incredible niche right now where she's working as an executive producer at America's Test Kitchen, but she has throughout her career carved out really interesting niches and uh, worked on some fascinating things like publishing platforms and obviously written a lot of content and developed content for many brands. So Meekam, thank you so much for joining us on Video Production Daily. And let's just like dive into it. What are you thinking about the diversity of the opportunities within the video world? Why do people pay you to do what you do? And what are the opportunities that you're kind of seeing in the marketplace? <laughs> Why do people pay us to do what we do? Well, um, yeah, first, I mean, we're having I, a lot of fun, isn't it crazy? <laughs> it's always crazy when the check comes in and you're like, really? <laughs> uh, honestly, Luke, um, I feel like we talked about it on our previous episode, but I am I am grateful every day um, to be making a living off of my creative energy. And I can tell you that when I started, I would never have <laughs> predicted it. Um, nor would nor would uh, my my family. <laughs> so I think. It, it is a very exciting time to be in the space of media and film and digital video, and it keeps changing. So the pace at which these opportunities are arising, the amount of platforms, the niches that you can carve out for yourself, like you referenced, if you can identify what you want and what your objective is, you're living in a time when anything is possible if you have you know, the baseline privilege, health, safety, and access to resources. And so when I think about all the different formats that you can explore, it always comes back to, again, who is our audience and where is this thing going? And actually making sure that you're staying on top of diversifying those opportunities. Um, from a publishing perspective, you know, a lot of folks saw video, the pivot to video, if you remember that, <laughs> that, that beloved phrase. And then the second that the platforms changed the way that content was distributed and what reach looked like, what happened, right? And their, their eggs were all in that single basket. So for me, it is very much about understanding how one story can live across different platforms and learning all the nuances of those platforms, which ultimately, when you think about monetization models, you've got things like ad revenue, affiliate revenue, and subscription. Um, those are sort of the, the three pillars for us at America's Test Kitchen and in the digital space. But if you think about a creator, you can monetize your personality. That's, that's the, the world that we're living in. Every, every post could potentially be a, branded, a piece of branded content. Um, and then there's merchandising. And then there's actual um, the fan experience. People just paying you for your time appearing on video or having a conversation with them, which is mind-blowing to me. So again, it's, it's kind of the Wild West right now, in my opinion. So Mika, uh, it is the Wild West, but it's also just like incredible amount of opportunity what are the what are the tactical ways that for you it's actually worked out, right? So either uh, producing digital content, running your own agency, working for a publishing company, uh, working for America's Test Kitchen, 
what you've brought to America's test kitchen is different than what you brought to Facebook, which is different than what you brought to Brycove, uh, which is probably different than what you brought to Nova and PBS. And so it'd just be interesting, Mikam, uh, to just splash into maybe what are some of the, the biggest gaps in the market that you've been able to fill, which has resulted in, you know, you being able to make a living doing what we love to do. Yeah, that's um, a great way to sort of get to the heart of that question. I would say as an entrepreneur and a consultant and a, you know, running your own production studio, just, just making the thing, right? So that's sort of like the, the, the cost of services, right? So that's sort of hard cost production. Pe- people pay you because you have a skill set and can provide X deliverables. When you think about something like episodic content or content that needs to represent a brand over multiple platforms and over the long term, that's when you really have to understand these different monetization models. And so getting a traditional publisher like America's Test Kitchen to move away from using the television show and putting it in all these different platforms, but not doing anything differently, right? According to where that thing is living. The television episode, as you know, is it's a format that's very recognizable and repeatable. But the YouTube audience, the YouTube audience, excuse me, is very different from the audience that consumes the television show on PBS, right? So understanding those differences and actually tying the creative output back to these data points that's something that I feel like I've been able to do throughout my career across all the different configurations of whether I was doing my own thing, if I was in-house or out of house, getting people to understand the relationship between those two. Because I feel like a lot of traditional creatives get really precious about the thing and they don't really care about what happens to it after it's made. The organization understands the business bottom line, but they don't, they don't get that audiences are really savvy and they want different things at different times depending on where they are. So having that conversation and educating sort of both sides, because I've been on all of the different pieces of the process, I would say has been where I've been able to continue doing what I'm doing. And it makes me really excited to help people understand this stuff. You know, Mikam, it's, it's been interesting too to observe trends over the last couple of years, because I, I felt like um, there was a massive push to engagement, right? Like there was all of this content out there, not all of it was engaging and not all of it was solving a business problem. Uh, and that was a huge opportunity and I definitely felt like it was an opportunity to capitalize and, um, had some success in that arena. And then it's been interesting in 2020 and I'm sure 2021, maybe 2022, like there's this race to democratize production and remote production. And it's just been interesting to see this chasm open up of massive opportunities for anybody who knows how to create content within that kind of world. Um, so it's fun to kind of follow the trends and ride those waves. And certainly, um, I was of the opinion, if you would have asked me, you know, a, a couple of years ago, I would have thought that the, the technical know-how isn't quite as valuable now as the storytelling and engagement know-how. And then we've seen a really incredible year where guess what? Technical know-how, like there's a massive market opportunity for that as well. So it's, it's fun to watch these trends. It's fun to observe them. It's fun to see Mecham how you've capitalized on a lot of them. I know that, uh, when vertical video became a really important topic, you were well-versed in it and you were able to, uh, capitalize on that moment for yourself. So that's cool to see. And, uh, Mecham, I'm just wondering, are there trends that you're seeing that I'm not talking about or, um, or are you noticing the same ones just as you're, 
thinking about deploying your energy over the next couple of years, uh, what's a focus? What do you think is a, is a market opportunity? I do think um, long tail, episodic, um, the amount of ephemeral content that exists and sort of the democratization, which is a good thing, right? It's inherently opened up all of everybody who has a phone is essentially a creator in my mind. Now that even the amount of platforms on which you can consume content feel a little bit endless, it is a longer game. And so I feel like there's a place we're going to start to see longer form. And when I say longer form, I don't mean, you know, eight to 10 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. Um, I, I see the pendulum swinging that way. And that is exciting, but it's also challenging. Because if you're talking about volume within that same sort of scale, it's, it's, it's a commitment, right? It's that long tail consistent commitment. So I think people who are going to be successful with this medium understand what it takes in terms of the resources that they need to dedicate to it. And they want they need to be doing it because they're not chasing that audience and that end goal and that dollar, right? Anybody who wants to build a successful content um, brand or franchise at this point needs to understand that the, the whole concept of overnight success or virality or make one thing and be done with it, that's just not really the currency in which video is dealt um, because it's so pervasive. So I think getting folks to understand you need to commit, you need to have a strategy. Experimentation is part of that strategy, but it is going to be a longer game um, and it's not going to be for everybody, even though everybody has the ability to do it. I, I agree. I see that trend. It's funny at the beginning of 2020, somebody asked me, well, what's different about video in 2020? And my thought was, you've either got to get really good at long form video or you've got to get really good at the super short form video because, you know, YouTube is rewarding the longer stuff. So many platforms now they're wanting longer content. And then you've got, you know, TikTok and Instagram and some other places where it's still super short, but I'm right with you, Mikam. It seems like a decade ago, every video request we got was for a three minute video. Yes. And <laughs> it's like, ah, sometimes you still get that brief and it's like, well, why? And it's probably not, uh, it's probably not the year to be producing a ton of three minute video. I'll say, you know, I think it works really well on LinkedIn and a few other places, but not every video is a three minute video. I'm, I'm actually really glad you brought that up because I feel like, you know, that dreaded format or the case study, right? Solution, problem, again, break the arcs. Um, and you don't have to have a set running time, right? For these digital platforms. That's the beauty of it. It can be whatever the story needs it to be because you're not filling, you know, rigid running times and ad inventory in the same way. So knowing those, what works on these different platforms, and also, again, knowing that they're going to change and keeping up to that, I actually recommend that every video producer get some form of product training, and it's all free, right? All of these platforms offer it, but it's, again, making the time and space to actually self-teach, and I also have a lot of uh, empathy knowing that when you're doing this as your job all day, to then add on, you know, more learning and more things and more exper experimentation, it can be a lot to ask. Mika, we selfishly, we've, we've pulled out a lot of insight from you in this episode. You've given us a lot. Uh, Mika, you're like a thought leader here. And I don't know, <laughs> how can how can people find more? Because I'm wrapping up this episode. They're not going to get more here. Uh, are you putting out ideas, content, Twitter? Are you doing anything along this line? Um, to be honest, I have a... Um a watchful relationship with the platforms. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not very active in terms of um, consumption or creating for them. 
and I'm much more of a, a one-to-one person. So, you know, my information's out there, my site is out there. I'm always happy to connect with people and help and answer questions and keep the conversation going. So that's sort of my, my preferred way of keeping all of this stuff out there. Well, I can relate to that outside of this podcast. I publish nothing. So uh, <laughs> very relatable. Mikam, thank you so much. I hope people can connect with you and um, you just have a lot to share. So I appreciate you sharing it here. Uh, thanks everybody for joining us on another episode of Video Production Daily. Next week, we are again meeting with Mikam and it's really exciting to uh, see what different video producers insist on doing right, what they do differently than others. And we're going to do that with Mikam. So I hope you can join us then. Thanks so much for joining us on another episode of Video Production Daily. Filmmakers and video creators, as you know, production budgets are wildly inconsistent. Sometimes they rise, sometimes they fall, but your ability to bring creativity to a project is always in demand. I want to introduce you to the Masters of Engagement online course. Learn how to clarify creative ideas, engage audiences using conflict, dance, art, character development, relevancy, and unexpectedness in story. Every professional video creator should learn about audience psychology from mastersofengagement.com. I've included a discounted link in the show notes below, and I can't wait to see you in the online course.